Hey, everybody. Welcome to another great Monday. It's the Extraordinary Talk Show with your host, Della Hill. I've got a couple great topics today, and I have 25 minutes here to talk to you. There's sometimes that I have a topic that isn't necessarily going to take up that whole time. I could make it take up that time, but it might stretch it out and be extraneous. And we're supposed to be extraordinary, not necessarily extraneous. So today I have two kind of topics that I neither one of them will take up the whole time, but I think together they kind of mesh well together. So let's start. To begin with, I'm talking about something that I talk about all the time. If you listen to the show and it means anything to you, you know how important meditation is to me. I know you guys have heard this before, but I have a couple details I want to throw in. There's some things that I might not have talked about before that you might not have heard before about meditation and how it can help you and little ways that might make it different and more successful for you. Why do most people not meditate? First of all, they don't know how or they think it's too hard. Let me tell you something. You can't get it wrong. So many people feel like if they sit down and their thoughts don't disappear, then they're failing. That's not true at all. You can't get meditation wrong. If you are making an effort to sit still and quiet your mind, you are doing it. You are making progress. You are accomplishing something that you wouldn't have accomplished had you not sat down and closed your eyes. You will get better at it, but meditation, like everything else, takes practice. If you hear meditation teachers talk about you have to do it this way or you have to do this way, your both feet have to be on the floor and you have to hold your hands a certain way, forget all that. Do what feels right for you. As you do it, as you get going, as you gain some practice, as you gain some mental depth, you will automatically become better at those other things, at doing it longer, at going deeper, at doing different types of meditation. So if you're just starting with meditation or you've done it before and you kind of feel frustrated, you kind of left for a while and you're frustrated about it, don't worry. It's okay. Everybody who's ever meditated has been frustrated at some point or another, feeling like you're not getting out of it what you think you should be or feeling like it's just too hard to quiet your mind. I understand because I've been through the same struggles. I want to explain the brain states and how meditation affects the brain states. I love these, and my friend Cody was talking about them this morning. He, he loves the brain states too. I've had Cody on the show a couple of times, and we'll have him back because he's so great at explaining how all the brain states affect us so differently. You've got four basic brain states, right? Beta is your top brain state. That's where you think you are all the time. Beta is when your thoughts are at the surface level, where when you're in conversation or minute-to-minute action, it's where your conscious thoughts pass across your mind. Now, if you are relaxing, if you're doing something that is a repetitive action for you, something you have a lot of muscle memory for, something like driving, even something like dancing, if it's something that you're very familiar with that your body knows how to do automatically that's very relaxing to you, your body can drop down into the second brain state, which is alpha. Alpha is quite large. There's upper alpha and lower alpha and a whole lot in between. If you sit still and watch television for one minute, you are almost guaranteed to drop into alpha brain state. Now, the thing about alpha is you are much more suggestible there, which is why 
met, that's where you go when you're meditating. That's actually where creation takes place. When you're watching television, be aware that you're slipping down into that and the commercials you're watching or whatever it is that you're watching is being implanted deeper into your brain. So watch out for those commercials. Don't be too worried about it, though, because come on, you've been listening to commercials your entire life. Don't worry about today is the day that you have to stop listening so they don't get into your head anymore. Just slowly make changes. We know that Alpha is where creation takes place. Here's one example. I don't like to watch scary movies. I don't believe in any of the things that are happening in scary movies. I don't believe there's actually a clown who lives in the sewers. None of that. However, when I watch them, I tend to have bad dreams later. Why is that? It's because when you're watching a movie or a television, you slip down into the alpha brain state, which is where creation happens, right? In that creative space, when I'm watching a scary movie, I'm having scary things created in my head that then later come out when I turn my brain off and go to sleep. So for me, I choose not to watch scary movies because I choose not to place those things into my brain at a creation level. That being said, last time I saw a scary movie, I went with a bunch of friends and we had a really good time. And prior to the movie beginning, I did a small, simple meditation where I chose to, for the duration of the movie, see everything as entertaining and not scary. And I actually had a wonderful experience watching the movie with my friends and didn't have any bad dreams about it later. Even during the points in the movie where people were screaming and jumping, I was jumping, but I would laugh rather than scream. And I thoroughly enjoyed that movie, that scary movie, more than almost any scary movie I've seen. And I think that that little meditation I did ahead of time had a lot to do with that. Alpha is the brain state where we're trying to go when we're meditating. If we can get deeper, deeper into alpha, that's where deeper creation happens. That's where deeper peace happens. That's where we have a greater access to our higher self, our intuition, the voice that speaks to us, that gives us the guidance that we can't get through this life without. And if you think you can get through your life without it, you're listening to it and you just don't know it. Beyond alpha, if you go really deep, you can get to theta. Everybody passes through theta at least twice a day if you have any type of sleep schedule. Because when you fall asleep, you go from beta, where you're wide awake, down through alpha, pass through theta, into delta, which is the brain state of sleep. I apologize, guys. I got a little tickle in my throat today. Now, the deeper you can go into alpha, into theta, the more beautiful it is, the more that window opens to allow you that guidance, to hear that intuition, and the deeper levels of creation that you can accomplish. When I do quantum healing hypnosis technique with my clients, the goal is to get them all the way to the bottom of alpha and hopefully into theta, because that is where the mind really, truly opens to let in Creativity, creation, guidance, intuition. The deeper you can go, the more that door opens. And then the deepest brain state is sleep. That's delta. Don't take this for granted. Even though it's happening while you're sleeping, 
your brain is functioning the entire time you're asleep. Just because you're not necessarily conscious and you can't remember all the things that your brain did, your brain was constantly working. Sleep is critical for our physical state as well as our brain state. We have what Cody calls the miracle chemicals, oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, and a couple of others that bring us joy, satisfaction, fulfillment. These chemicals flood more fully in the deeper brain states. The miracle chemicals that will help you be happier, help reduce inflammation, even heal your body. The deeper you can stay in these brain states, the more often, the more of those amazing chemicals you're going to have running through your body. Stephen Kotler, who wrote Stealing Fire, found that when he entered a flow state, and a flow state is a type of meditation, but it's usually done more through something physical, not always, but it's sometimes thought of being entered through a physical activity. The first time Stephen Kotler realized that he was in flow was when he was surfing. And surfing put him in that challenged mental state that also allowed his brain to relax and go with what, with how it knew to move and roll on the waves, put him into flow. Flow dropped him down out of beta brain state where the negative chemicals were running and dropped him down into a deeper brain state, deep alpha, even theta. And in that place, he was able to release those miracle brain chemicals, which decreased the inflammation in his body enough that he was even able to heal himself of Lyme disease. These miracle brain chemicals can create healing in our bodies because they reduce inflammation and they strengthen the immune system. Meditation can save your physical body. Up in beta brain space, and this is really important, guys, that when you're awake space, the the surface level thought, beta brain space, this is where depression and anxiety exist. If you struggle with any of those things, and the majority of us do at some point or other, at some level or other, this was amazing for me to learn. Anxiety and depression only exist in beta brain state. You can only have a panic attack in beta brain state. You cannot have a panic attack in alpha. It just doesn't work that way. The chemicals that come up in your brain during panic only come up in beta brain state. When you can drop yourself out of beta into alpha, even a high alpha, you can turn off those, that anxiety. You can turn off those scary voices. You can turn off those swirling thoughts and find peace in your mind. If you're looking for a way to do this, one of the simplest ways is to breathe. Now, Abraham Hicks talks about this a lot. Abraham Hicks says, if you are in that place where you can't find a happy thought or you're struggling, there's two things you can do, according to Abraham Hicks. One is meditate. Two is take a nap. Because when you take a nap, In order to fall asleep, you have to fall out of beta brain state down through alpha, theta, and into delta. So that will take you out of that anxiety mind state. Another thing you can do is breathe. And the reason why this helps is because this has been shown by studies that just like watching TV for a minute, 
will put you into an alpha brain state. Paying attention to your breathing for seven breaths will take you out of beta and put you into an alpha brain state. This is a fantastic way to just chill yourself out if you're having a panic moment. It's also a great way to begin a meditation. We usually start or you find a lot of guided meditations that begin with relaxing the body from head to toe. I love those. I do those. I've recorded those. Another one, if you don't want to go through that whole process or just sometimes it seems extraneous when you've done it over and over, one of the simplest things you can do is breathe seven calm, slow breaths. Be aware of the air entering your lungs, filling up your lungs, being released. Just think about the process of pulling air in and letting the air out for seven breaths. And that will pull you out of brain beta brain space into alpha brain space. Now, if that was all you needed and you can just catch your breath and go about your day, amazing. Do you know you just meditated for about a minute? Congratulations, you meditated successfully. If you do that for seven breaths and it feels good, keep going. Many breath, many meditations are only breath meditations where the only thing that you're guided to do at all is focus on your breath. You can focus on your breath for as long as your meditation is. One thing I like to do, because I don't want to have to worry about time, is I'll set a timer on my phone. I'll decide how long I'm going to meditate that day. It might be five minutes. It might be 15 minutes. It might be 45 minutes. I set the timer, and I close my eyes. When the timer goes off, I know I'm done. And until then, I don't worry about it. This is my time, my space, my gift to myself. And I'm going to take every second of it while I can. When we're talking about how long you meditate, do, especially at the beginning, what works for you. If meditating for one minute, if you can do those seven breaths plus three and that's all you can do, fantastic, amazing, you are a success. Congratulations. Please come back tomorrow and try again. If you can do five minutes, great. I heavily recommend 15 minutes a day. However, if you're checking your box of I meditated today, whether it's for one minute or an hour, check that box. Do it the way that works for you. And don't give yourself a hard time if you miss a day or if today you only have time for two minutes and yesterday you had an hour. Give yourself credit and congratulations for what you are accomplishing. When it comes to time, you will find that the longer you are able to meditate, the more you'll get out of it. And the reason for that is the longer you're able to do it, the lower your brain state goes and the more wide open your intuition becomes. This comes one with practice. The more you meditate over time, the better you get at this, but also the longer you meditate. If if you don't have time to practice meditation for your whole life, there are people who started meditating as infants who are now, of course, nearly professionals at it if there's such a thing. You don't have to spend your life meditating. One minute a day is great, but the longer you can meditate, the more benefit you're going to get. Many people, including Tim Ferriss and Dave Asprey, have talked about a 45-minute mark in their meditation, that there's something about that 40 to 45-minute mark. That's when it's like their brain has run out of thoughts to burn through. And at that point, everything truly opens up. 
I believe you can't know anything for yourself based on what someone else told you. The best way to learn anything is to experience it. That being said, it's also true that a wise man learns, a smart man learns from his experience and a wise man learns from the experience of others. So you can watch others and realize that there's some experiences you don't need to learn from yourself. But when trying to figure out if anything that I'm telling you is actually true, I never ask you to take my word for it. I always ask you to test it for yourself. The only way you can truly know anything is to find out for yourself by personal application. So give these things a try. As you're doing it, I don't expect you to do 45 minutes. The challenge that I give for you is to, one, meditate daily or as often as you can. Two, even if you're only meditating for one minute or however short of a time that you feel like you can, the challenge I give you is push past the uncomfortable spot. You'll get to a point, even briefly in, where you'll feel, okay, I feel like I'm calm. I feel like everything's good. I feel like I can open my eyes and go on. And you probably could, and you will have accomplished something from the meditation that you've just had. However, I encourage you to push past that spot. Your brain always wants to protect you. Your brain always wants to have your back, so to speak. And it could be that if you meditate just a little bit longer, that you're going to learn something. And this has the potential to be scary because learning something means that you might learn something about yourself. And if you learn something about yourself, then there might be something that you need to do differently. And that can be scary for us. So our brain automatically kind of puts the brakes on for us a little bit and says, hey, look, you're calm. Everything's fine. I think you're done now because your brain knows that if you keep going, something a little bit more intense is going to happen. And I encourage you to keep going and find that thing that's a little bit more intense. So that's what I have to say today about that part of meditation. Not quite done because we're going to roll into the second topic I have for you. The second thing is when you ask once, that is enough. Talking about law of attraction or prayer or however you choose to look at it, when you ask God or the universe for a thing, it could be a tangible thing, it could be help, it could be support, it could be guidance. When you ask, you only have to ask once. This throws in the face of a little bit of what I learned as a child because I was always taught if you have a need, you go to God with it. Cool, great. And go to to him with it as often as you need to. Great, okay. But what that meant was that if I had a need, I would go to God and ask, and then the next day I would go to God and ask again, and then the next day when it still hadn't happened, I would go to God and ask again, and this would go on and on and on. Many, many times my prayers were answered. I think there's a better way to do it. You really, truly only need to ask God or the universe, whatever name you use, one time. Because God loves you enough that he hears every single thing that you say the first time you say it. And if you make a clear and direct request, he can't deny that. He can't pretend he didn't hear it. He can't. He doesn't say, well, I'll wait till she asks again. I do that with my kids sometimes. They'll ask for if I can take them to the store. 
And I'll say, not now, come back later. They come back later and ask again. I'll say, not now, come back later. They come back later and ask again. That time I might be able to take them. That's not how it works with God and the universe. We make our kids ask multiple times. God doesn't. God heard your request one time. It's like putting in a maintenance ticket and you have the best maintenance man in the world. You don't have to repeat that ticket. And think about it this way. Do you think that by going to God and begging him over and over and over that you're going to change his mind? Once you've asked God for something once, he has that request. The question is, do you have faith or not? Do you believe he heard you? Do you believe that he has your best interest at heart? He's God, right? That's all you need. And I remember even reading scriptures that say very specifically, if there's something for you to do, a path that's chosen for you, God will prepare a way for you to accomplish that. Once you know that, that's all you need to know. You do not need to come back and repeat the request over and over and over, even if it hasn't happened yet. If it hasn't happened yet, what that means is that the parts are coming together. For example, I have a little brag today. Today is February 24th. Nine years ago today, I graduated nursing school. That was really amazing. At that time, my family and I lived in Virginia, and we were trying to decide where to live, where to go. We decided to come back to Utah, and we began praying that we would be able to find a job for me in Utah, a home, and a list of other things. We made these requests in our family prayers and in our personal prayers. Please help mom find a job. Please help us find a house. And then once we made the request, every prayer after that, rather than asking for it, every prayer after that was asking for guidance to help me get there and showing gratitude for what God was already doing. We were in Virginia. We had no idea what was happening in southern Utah. But what was happening was that God had already found a home for us and was arranging all of the pieces in the process for that home to be available for us to rent when we arrived. What was happening in Utah was that someone else was leaving a nursing position and the director of nursing was seeking someone specific to fill that position. I was in Virginia. I didn't know those things. But God did. I had asked for them, and he already had everything in motion. The wheels were turning. I didn't have to keep asking for it over and over and over. I only had to ask once. Beyond that, me and my family in our prayers, because at the time, honestly, I didn't meditate back then, we would just be grateful Thank you for the things that are coming together in Utah that we're not aware of yet. Thank you for our home that you are preparing for us. And in doing that, for one thing, when you show gratitude, your creative powers expand. Also, it shows faith. And if you've ever been to church and talked about when you ask for something in prayer and then you're waiting for it, you have to have faith. If you are going back and begging God day after day after day for that thing, it's not showing faith that he's actually bringing it to you. If you have to keep asking, you don't believe that he's in the process of making it happen. If you show faith the first time, 
Ask first and then show faith over and over by being grateful for what you know is already in the works, what you know is already coming to you, even though you don't have it yet, because you put in your maintenance request to the number one maintenance guy in the universe. That's all it takes. Now all you have to do is open yourself to receive it when that time comes. And one way you can do that is by showing gratitude for it coming to you, clear until it comes to you, at which point hopefully you're going to keep being grateful for it. And one of my favorite hacks is daydreaming. Daydreaming brings you out of your beta mind state into alpha brain state, which is where creation happens. You can do this. One of my favorite ways to do this is in meditation. Close your eyes, breathe, and dream about the life you want to live. It seems too easy, but my friends, when I use these things, miracles happen. I've seen it constantly in my life, and I know that you can see it in yours. And honestly, I'm looking for more of it in my life because who can have enough miracles? Guys, this is Della. I'm so grateful that you joined me today. And remember, I am never trying to tell you what to think, but I am always trying to get you to think for yourself.